Thank you for tuning in to Shift the Plan podcast. And I'm your host, Rhonda Evans, for a while now. I think since about June, I've been saying, you know, we're going to have guests on the show. Well, finally, today is the day and we will have our first guest recorded episode. So I am beyond excited. Today, we are going to have the one and only Ivy Wells joining us. She is the founder of the Millionaire Factory, um, clothing design brand Janelle Love, and the co-founder of the Brave Party. So you might want to say she is a jack of all trades. Well, not jack, but Jane of all trades, a serial entrepreneur. If you want to know how to increase your cash flow, she is the girl to go to. So today we'll be discussing with her, her shift, how she went from her nine to five, helping other people become millionaires to closing the door and saying, no, thank you. I'm going to create my own path and I'm going to become a millionaire. And not only that, I'm going to show other men and women how to do the same thing. So I am excited about this episode and here we go. So tune in. Hello, Miss Ivy. Hi, Rhonda. <laughs> I, you have no idea how excited I am for this first co. I, I want to say co-hosted, but guess <laughs> guess podcast. Look at my speaking things out there. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen, I, it would be an honor. Like your energy, your motivation. You have always been the one to motivate me to like really push forward to do anything and I always 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 make sure I tell you that and so I am so excited and I feel so honored that someone that I look up to you want me to be on your show girl like this is a long time coming and so with everything that you have poured into me and to so many other people it was like okay Ivy needs to be one of the first people I have on this podcast yes 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 so okay today we're gonna be talking about millionaire mindset kind of because you know you've had the millionaire factory which has done phenomenal things for so many people already um and you have to have had that mindset for you to even want to label it that number one and number two push others as much as you do like you don't let people give up it's like no we're gonna start this and we're gonna finish <laughs> it <laughs> and so where <laughs> I want to start back back in the day so like where did this all come from like have you always been this way or did something just click one day it was like no I'm gonna get things moving <laughs> Um, I actually have to be quite honest. It started with my mom. My mom is a even. She is a serious hustler in so many ways of the word hustler. Like, um, when I was a little kid, probably like I think it was like third or fourth grade. My mom opened her, her first salon, and my mom was that she was an incentive parent that like. Mm-hmm. 
she gave you incentives to do things that you didn't even want to do. But <laughs> it was like, well, I kind of do want this thing, so I guess I'll do it, like, whatever. So she would tell me and my brother, this is when you can send your kids to places and then have to have supervision because nobody was going to steal them. <laughs> right? You can't do that now. Right. And this was when Charlotte was not the popping city it is now. <laughs> and my mom, for those of you that are 30 plus, you know, <laughs> North Park Mall on North Tryon. <laughs> She would take us over there. She would take us to the Walmart that used to be on East Way. And she would drop us off. And we were like kid kids. Like my brother was probably like seven and I was maybe 10. And she would hand us 500 like flyers from copycat printer. Like she still uses them to this day. And we like put out my flyers. And my mom's hair salon was like booming. Because she had these two cute kids putting out flyers (laughs) every single week. Because you know what we got in turn? The what? new Jordans that came out every See? single week. And the way she got them, we we didn't have, we never had to stand in line, none of that. Because she told the guy that worked at Foot Locker, I'll do your girlfriend's hair if you make sure my kids get their Jordans every week. Man, let me tell you something. It was a whole production. <laughs> it was. She was like, We're gonna get this stuff yes. done and by any means necessary. Yeah. Without and- having to come out of a lot of money. Nah, because that was a return on her. Like, she was like, well, I can spare this amount of money because I'm going to make, you know, this amount of money. And she made that very clear to us that if you want anything in this life, you have to work for it and you got to do it using Pat and Charlie, like our feet. In other words, like, you can't sit on your butt. I mean, that was prior to the age of the World Wide Web, you know. Mm -hmm. But in her world, and even still now, like, I believe in old school marketing. So, you cannot do anything without putting your shoulder to the wheel, in other words. So that's where it all got started. Wow. So at a very early age, your mom planted those seeds like, hey, you got to work hard. If you want something out of life, this is what you got to do. You're going to have to put something into it. And so when she did that for you guys in turn for her business, did that put something in your mind like, okay, so what can I do to get my hustle on so many words. Yeah, so my mom would do, my mom, I I tell people, she was like, honestly, the person who taught me how to develop businesses, how to like strategize, because she would tell me and my brother like, hey, if y'all send me clients, then y'all make more money too. So Mm. I didn't even care for, I was a tomboy when I I was a kid. I didn't care about Jordans. I didn't care about clothes. I didn't care about jewelry, but she made me care about the stuff. Like, well, Mm -hmm. you bring me X amount of clients. I'll buy you a new ring. I'll buy you a new necklace. And I'm like, bro, I don't even want this, but because you're offering it, I'm going to work towards it, right? So I was like, all right. So the little girls would come to my school and I would tell their moms, like, my mom is a beautician and if you go let her do your child's hair I always had long hair so in their mind mm-hmm. they're like oh well my child's hair is gonna grow I was learning to um, add value to to people and that's how mm-hmm. I became a salesman and to be honest I hate selling anything so really don't ask me to sell nothing <laughs> don't, I give you the money just I hate selling yeah. stuff so um that's kind of like where how everything fell into place and since then I've been like the ideation person that everybody will come to for their business to even to maybe start the business or to expand the business like 
my dad, when he first got his food truck up and running, um, he did CIAA for the first time. Oh, that was his wow. first food truck experience. And so he took his food truck out for the first time, this particular CIAA. And he was like, no, like we had lines and lines of people right in front of his truck going into a club. Not one person acknowledged him. So I told my dad, I said, listen, we cannot sit in this truck. We got to take the food to the people since the people don't want to come to us because they don't want to lose their spot in line. What Mm -hmm. I do, I I told my dad, give me three baskets of wings and fries. He put put them in a boat and I put them on a tray, um, a sheet like this, a baking sheet. Mm-hmm. And I stepped outside the food truck. I went and stood in the line. I was like, chicken and fries. Who wants chicken and fries? They was like, oh, yeah, me right here. I <laughs> wow. kept coming back, going back. And how and old my dad you? was like, I think I was, this was after college. So oh, okay. um, I probably was like 22, 23 at this point. But that mm-hmm. was, I'm just saying that to say that whenever there's a problem, I always have a solution and it always has to be a bold one because you have to be recognized in this world. Mm-hmm. Mind you, it was three other restaurants out there. They were intense, though. Do you mm-hmm. know they started doing the same thing? But they, <laughs> the people didn't want to buy from them because they hadn't built notoriety with the people yet. See, by this mm-hmm. time, I had already built notoriety that Everybody in line is talking about how good these chicken wings are. Right. So, so now everybody just wants the chicken wings. So, right. lady, you coming up here to sell fish. Don't nobody wants your fish because <laughs> I built notoriety. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it's always about, one, like I said, putting your shoulder to the wheel. And then, two, you got to build notoriety in your community. And people will stick with you always and forever. Now, CIAA, mm-hmm. people are always looking for my dad's food truck. Always, always, mm-hmm. always. You said some very key things. So one, you talked about, you know, standing out, like growing up, I was always taught, you know, you need to be the one that they see when they come into the room and you already, you, you talked about doing that. And then you built a notoriety. No, I'm sorry. Before that, you talked about adding value. So it's like already at a young age, you had already learned some of the very core principles of building a business, how to be successful in your business. So you said that that was after college. So you went to uh, Winston State, right? Yes, go Rams. Yeah. <laughs> HBCU. <laughs> so with that, <laughs> <laughs> were you the girl who was side hustling in her dorm? Believe it or not, no. Because what? I. Okay, so let I'm a, we're gonna take a step back. So I went from being a baby hustler to like mm-hmm. having this huge heart because um, growing up in Charlotte, I was able to like live in this little bubble where everything was peachy keen because I grew up in the South and I come from a, a well-known family in the city. So a lot of people knew my mom, they know my grandfather, uh, people know my family in church. So it wasn't that I ever had to step into any room and actually introduce myself. People introduced themselves to me, meaning they were like, oh, I know you. You're such and such granddaughter or you're such and such daughter. And mm-hmm. so because of that, I never had to make my make, make my own space, which was um, my struggle in college. So when mm-hmm. I got to college, even though a lot of people were from Charlotte who went to Winston-Salem State, 
um, nobody knew me on the in the educational realm, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I had to reestablish myself as actually being a smart girl. Um, mm-hmm. And so I helped a lot of people. And that's when I learned the difference between having a being a good friend and having a big heart because mm-hmm. I got taken advantage of a lot. And um, so, no, I wasn't that person that I should have been, though, because I <laughs> would take my groceries and cook for everybody. And I should have been. Right. I should have been. <laughs> But I realized that in college, that's when I learned that I was living in a little bubble. And I took the time to learn about so many other people, their experience in life, their backgrounds, like what do their parents do for the holidays, you know, like how they grew up. And I just took that time to let people pour into me and um, establishing myself in a group and then it never happened I just kind of was like always all over the place being friends with everybody and doing everything um and so I never really had a hustle in college even though I could do hair I used to do everybody's hair had the best dopest flat iron chi I got a chi when it hit the market okay (laughs) okay so you had all these outlets So and I just never a, did it. A nope. for real, for real side hustle. And you just never did it. Nope. And now you hustling all over the place. All day and night. Because <laughs> even though my mom and dad were both entrepreneurs, my grandparents, who is actually who raised me, they always taught me how to be the best employee. They drilled <laughs> that in my head so tough that I... I it was cloudy to me if you said anything about being an entrepreneur. I just knew that that was something my mom was good at doing and something my dad was decent at doing. And, like, so I never, never, the the, the most, like, the most successful people in my family, they were not entrepreneurs outside of my mom. So I didn't, I just never saw that. I never, ever saw it. I never, ever saw it. That is so surprising for you to say that because you are, it, clearly, you are an amazing entrepreneur. Like, you've taken the steps that people want to take every single day in their lives, but are just like, I'm too scared. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going <laughs> to lose lose my safety net. And it's so funny to hear you say, like, that wasn't even in your viewpoint. Like, what what was your background in before you decided to become a, an entrepreneur? Um, So, I got my degrees in... um. My undergraduate degrees are in um, finance and economics, and then my master's was in human resources. So, yeah, I'm using none of them. I was going to say, that's not what you did, though. (laughs) So what industry did you end up actually working in? I actually ended up in real estate, and that's kind of how my entrepreneurial endeavors came along because I graduated, and I was one of those people, unfortunate people that graduated during the um, the bellowing of the economy, right? And so who wants to hire a 22-year-old with a degree in economics and finance talking about something that we all know it's bad? That's the mm-hmm. sum of it, right? And mm-hmm. so I came out of undergrad, even though I interned every single summer, I still did not have a job. And um, I couldn't sit at home and just do nothing, though. So I picked up a hobby, something I always want to learn how to do, which was sew. I taught myself how to sew while at home. 
finally I got a couple of jobs here and there and I think that because I just wanted to be in the workforce so bad I Mm -hmm. just boom I didn't even I didn't even see that I should take that time and establish my um clothing company Mm -hmm. I really could have at that time but I didn't see it because to me success was attaching your name to a company with a position and a salary. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's most people. Most people feel like I'm only going to be successful if I excel at work, at this job yep. that's making somebody else money, if I get a promotion after promotion after promotion. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are people who, you know, that's their path. Uh-huh. But there uh-huh. are so many of us that have things down deep down in us that we want to do so badly but we're like no I'm just gonna do this because this is what I'm supposed to do yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that's, that's what you did you went into the workforce because that's what was drilled into you but at the same time you were developing this hobby when did you realize that this hobby was something like like this is it I can really do this <laughs> so um at first, you know, it always starts in, like, your immediate environment and, like, your friends like, ooh, girl, make me a dress. And so I was out <laughs> here still with this big old heart, like, spending lots of time sewing, cutting, mm-hmm. understanding my craft, and, like, low-key experimenting on them, too. Because <laughs> everything didn't always come out right. And then I took <laughs> on, like, these larger tasks. Like, I mm-hmm. did uniforms for my church marching band one year for a big Event. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I had moved back to Charlotte in 2011. My mm-hmm. great grandmother was not doing well. My little sister was having a baby. And I was like, these are two people I really love and care about. So I was like, I need to come home. So mm-hmm. I left Winston, moved back to Charlotte. And right when I moved back, it was like, oh, we need uniforms. And I was like, okay, I can make them. Very aggressive. Okay. For free? Yep. And oh. Um, I did. I sewed all these vests. We had like 22 girls. We made two twos that year because I think the theme was the circus. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So I <laughs> did the uniforms. About two of the 22 vests came out a little crooked, but <laughs> they were there. They were ready and we had them and we performed and we did good that year. I don't remember what we placed in that competition, that band competition, but we did good. And so that was that. And then that particular weekend, there's, you know, our my church has this large um, convention, so to speak, and everybody is dressed to the nines. And so <laughs> my friends were like, girl, you're going to make our clothes. <laughs> okay. Exactly. I'll do that for you. I said, yeah, of course. We went and picked out fabric, all this. Because mm-hmm. of that large order, I didn't finish anybody's outfit. So I had three friends that were livid. Okay? Livid. Oh, and I know. Like, you don't, that's not the weekend that you don't, no. that you don't want to have nothing to wear. Like, no. <laughs> it was ugly. It was ugly. Oh, my God. Matter of fact. Are y'all still friends? No. One of them is actually my cousin, and we're not friends. <laughs> Oh my! No. <laughs> They're like, you know what? I'm bad. Yeah, it was oh, bad, God. and I take ownership for it. Like I overextended myself because, again, I still had this big heart, and I just wanted to do so much for everybody. I did everything mm-hmm. for free, you know. And 
so that didn't work out well. And I learned, unless you have help, unless you can do anything. I did have help with the vest, though. I did have somebody that came and cut and helped me iron. But I, Mm -hmm. you know, it was still a large task for, like, the week's time that I had. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening was somebody said to me, oh, you did a really good job with those uniforms. Like, that was really neat. That was really cool what you did. And I was like, thank you. So then they saw this dress that I had on that weekend. Mind you, I did not sew it that weekend. It was something I had been playing with before and it just needed some buttons so I put some buttons on that Sunday morning and I wore it to service that later that afternoon that Mm -hmm. same person saw me again and was like you made this too I was like yes they said you're not just a seamstress you're a designer and then it hit me I was like I'm not just making from a pattern I actually design everything I put together like I want to stand out to look different, mm-hmm. to gain notoriety for my fashion. Like that was my that was my thing. I love fashion. Um and so when that happened, I was like, oh wait, I'm a designer. And then it hit me <laughs> like I'm a designer. Like <laughs> people think the people think that you have to have a certificate, that you have to have some type of something to call yourself something. No, I have a degree in economics. So what do I refer to myself as? An economist. I have published mm-hmm. briefs. I may not be working right now in the field of economics, but I'm an economist because I spent four years studying it and it comes up in my life every day. So when mm-hmm. it hit me, I was like, oh, shoot, I am a designer. I should really take this on. So then I created a price list. Mm-hmm. And I based it on, because of that terrible experience I had, on the time that it was going to Yes. I was like, okay, I need to figure out the amount of time plus the amount of um, things like um, the fabric and all this that I'm going to use. What am I going to charge people for a basic skirt? This is when pleated Mm -hmm. skirts were in really heavy, like the heavy pleat skirts. So Mm -hmm. everybody was wanting one of those. I was just making different colored skirts and people were buying them. Mm -hmm. So I came up with my price list and that's when I turned it into Janelle Love. That's when it happened. That's when the hustle started right then and there. You know what? I remember seeing a post that you did on Facebook. And what was it? Was it curtains or? Curtains. Yes. I said, this girl has turned this right here into a whole skirt, a whole outfit. I said, now she knows. She knows exactly (laughs) what she's doing. (laughs) Because you couldn't tell, number one, it looks so good and it was so flawless like you were right you were a, you not were you are a designer because those are things that you would see in the stores like it came from you it came from your heart from your passion and you put that into it so yeah absolutely I remember that so okay so now we have Janelle Love mm-hmm. like okay I am a designer <laughs> I have this business I'm gonna do this which I'm so glad you got a price list because doing all of that work on the free girl you are a good one but, <laughs> so how did the millionaire factory come about okay so like I said I went from being working I've done a lot of jobs so I Fresh out of college was a um, recruiter for Winston-Salem State. 
And that lasted. And then they laid me off for about three or four months. Mm -hmm. From there, I decided, okay, I still don't have a job. I need to go back and get my master's. And then my grandmother got sick. My little sister got pregnant. So I actually moved back to Charlotte in May of 2011. So I was like five months, no job. And I was just frustrated. I was tired. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just need to, I don't know what I need. I don't know what to do, but I just need to go. And something is telling me to go, Charlotte. So I moved mm-hmm. back to Charlotte. Um, and I started my master's program. Um, at the same time, I was like, I really want to move to D.C. Um, I was like, I want to actually take go to Howard. Mm. And then... Um, I applied to Howard, I got in and then, but it just could never happen. Me moving to DC just could never happen. And then my grandmother, her illness got a little worse. So I said, I'm not going to do this. Right. So I just stayed in Charlotte. Well, I ended up working for Wells Fargo. So that was my introduction to real estate. Um, I worked for Wells Fargo for like two and a half years. I moved to DC and then ended up being coached by CoStar, which was the last company I worked for. So CoStar is a um, commercial real estate information system company. So they house every single commercial building in America. Mm. I got really good at commercial real estate, just talking to people about the products. And I didn't sell anything because, again, I hate selling any and everything. But I taught people how to use it. And guess Mm -hmm. what? how to develop their business as a broker. Wow. One thing that people don't think about is that as a broker, no matter if you work for Marcus and Millichap or your own boutique firm, you're an entrepreneur because they're not going to hand you the client. You got to go out there and you make this money yourself. And that mm-hmm. product that CoStar has, um, it's a for sure tool that helps to develop your business and it allows you to come up with multiple strategies To be able to say, all right, this is one way I'm going to go after new clients. This is another way I can go after. And it's like multiple ways, right? So maybe you can go after people who just flip their property into a trust to see if they're possibly getting divorced. (laughs) (laughs) To see if they want to flip that property into something else. Go after people who just recently sold their property to see if they want to flip that into a 1031 exchange to be able to get another property so they don't have to pay capital gains tax. Like, I got good at this to the point where I was doing this in my sleep. Like, literally, I'd be sitting at home, probably in my bed, taking client calls and (laughs) on go-to meetings, and I'm, like, half sleep trying to tell somebody how to start, how to, like, push or expand and increase their business. It got so good, Rhonda, that it got to the point where clients only wanted to see me. They didn't want to see their salesman. (laughs) They didn't care about nothing else because everybody else taught them what the products had to offer, but I taught them how to expand their wallet with the product. That was the difference wow. between me training them and somebody else. So after that, that's when I really started thinking. I I was coming to this place where I was pushing Janelle Love, and um, somebody asked me to help them start their business, and I did, and that kind of took off. And then one other person was like, oh, yeah, Ivy, she has this clothing line. And then that kind of took off with them helping them with some T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in my client's office. And 
I was, they were like, really nice guy, really nice guy. But his elevator just did not go all the way up to the top. (laughs) So I was like, oh, you want me to show you how to sell a $62 million building? And I'm making millions. Yes. Now, I have to be honest. I was making good money. I was making six figures working for CoStar. Good Mm -hmm. money, right? That was mm-hmm. one of my goals. Like by by thirty, I wanted to be making six figures, mm-hmm. and so you achieved that goal. Achieved that. So I'm now at this company, and I'm kind of just like, why am I here? Like, what's next for me? Like, what do I need? What What can I do? There was no plan for us to like um, move up in the company. It was just kind of like, if you were a client relationship manager, that's what you were. Mm-hmm. So I was starting to get bored. And like I said, I met with this client. He was a really nice guy, but he just wasn't just, he wasn't on on his game to be representing somebody's $62 million building. So mm-hmm. we're going through different um, possible buyers. We're going through how to talk to these buyers. Mind you, you got the broker license, not me. <laughs> we go through how to follow up with them and how to seal the deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's how we, we walk through everything. Rhonda, he sat there and said to me, why? Why aren't you a broker? Hmm. He was like, I don't know what CoStar is paying you, but I want you to calculate my commission on this deal. One and a half percent. Six, oh, I'm lying. It was not a $62 million building. It was a $620 million building. Yes. Oh, my God. When I calculated his one and a half percent, mm-hmm. On that deal, I was like, oh, my God, this is more than what I make in a year. And you could do his job probably in your sleep. Could do his job. Only thing I was missing was a Rolodex of, like, prior clients. But you get that as, you know, the longer you're in the business. But I know the lingo. I know the products. And I know how to get it. I know how to get it done. And Mm -hmm. when he said that to me, it was like, I don't want to be a broker. But why am I not working for myself? So that was last, uh, that was like this time last year because I spent Thanksgiving in LA last year Mm -hmm. and I kept thinking about it. When I went home for Christmas last year, I went home for two weeks. I set myself down and I (laughs) calculated all my bills. I decreased a lot of my bills and said, this is what I need to make it just to breathe Mm -hmm. every month. I said, this is what I'm going to need to be able to leave my job and I came up with a for sure bona fide $50 a week budget Rhonda $50 a week budget did you say $50 a week like literally $50 a week $50 a week budget. how did you maintain living in LA on $50 a week you learn how to be a halfway vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> No, like I would get my gas on the weekends and I would um, give myself $100 every two weeks to spend on groceries. But $50, that meant like if I had needed, if I had, if I wanted to go out, if I went anything outside of my necessities, which was groceries, gas, and rent, Mm -hmm. it was, I only had $50 a week to spend on it. That was, that was all. So that's kind of like how the Millionaire Factory was birthed 
it was one you telling me I could be a millionaire, but I'm tripping working for somebody else. Then mm-hmm. two, I had to figure out, well, if I'm not going to work for somebody else, what am I going to do for myself? And what I realized is that I really like helping people. I love helping people to create their business, establish their dream, expand their dream, take themselves into places that they never saw themselves being, and even <laughs> opening up that mindset. Because I get tired of hearing people saying that they just want to make six figures. Why not seven? And then break that down. Like, what exactly do you want to do? What? Because people say they want to do a lot of things. But when you start to dive into it, it's like you really don't know what you want to do. Like, I was there. Like, how many conversations have you and I drilling down what I wanted to do? for my business and mm-hmm. what was going to make me happy in doing yeah. that not just because anything else to be quiet as hell would have just been like having a job yes yes because it wouldn't have been fulfilling yeah it wouldn't have been fulfilling so um break down what all is what um is the millionaire, millionaire factory all made up of okay so first things first the millionaire factory started out as an accountability group Mm-hmm. I wasn't really trying to make any money. I was like, look, I know a lot of people who just need to know each other. And I just need them to be in one space. And Rhonda was like one of those first few people she joined. And we had like all every bit of like two people. Me, Rhonda, right. and my best friend, Sierra. That's it. That was all. That was it. And then out of nowhere, people started joining. People started inviting people. We had like this great kumbaya moment mm-hmm. and then the influx came. Next, I opened my eyes and it was like 70 something people in there. I didn't even realize it was that many people in the group. Like, yeah. you know, you have your core people that talk on, yeah. talking all the time, who's on all of the meetings that we had. Right. Like we had that all the time. But then it was like, wait, there's a lot more people in this group that I didn't realize was in here. Like, what are you doing? Right. No, exactly. And so um, it was weird because one day last week, I think it was a week before last, somebody just randomly introduced themselves and was like, how long have you been here? I'm ready to take my business serious. And so now I want to introduce myself and stop lurking in this group. And I was like, if you couldn't see my face, I was like, hey, girl, hey, come on, join the fold. Finally, we are so happy to see you. I mean, we'll hear from you. Thank you for joining. But I mean, I just wanted that to be a space for people to be able to um, come talk about their woes, get some stuff Mm -hmm. heavy off their chest, have a positive environment because Rhonda, you know, when somebody first gets in, the first thing I say, hey, this is a positive environment. We don't Mm -hmm. discredit anybody. We don't put anybody down. We show nothing but love. And I just wanted somebody to have a business safe haven, a place where we can all just come and love on each other, lift somebody up if they're not having a good business day, they don't Mm -hmm. understand something, they need a new platform, just a space where you can come and ask people questions about how. How do I breathe? Like, how? (laughs) What is business? Like, I don't care what your question is. Somebody will help you answer it. So then, um, I was talking to Sierra. I was talking to my best friend. She one day was like, girl, you're giving key advice. And people are willing to pay for that. And I was like, really? And she was like, really? Really? 
<laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> she was like, you're out here giving gems. And I was like, really? So um, I tried it out. And I was like, okay, guys. Well, here we go. Um, $35 a month. So I'm now, that's my price. And I still get busted. And people are like, you, that's not enough. I don't care. You're right. I used to make $50, $52 an hour doing this. You're right. It's not enough. But right now, I'm humble enough to bring myself into this space. People don't know me. People don't know I exist. People don't know where I used to do. And that's okay. I'm humble enough to say that. And I'm just saying that most importantly, I just want to be here so that I can help somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And that you're absolutely doing it. I think you made a lot of people come out of their comfort zones. Like when we were doing the weekly tutorials, yes. like, oh my gosh, like, I think Keisha was the first one yeah. and it was amazing. Oh. Like, girl, all I kept seeing was, okay, you could do this and this is how you could do this. Yeah. Like, I just, and you were right. You had to create a platform where people who needed to know each other could know each other. Yeah. And that's exactly what you did. Like, before we even got on this podcast, me and Keisha were on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Like, you have really, truly created an environment that people can, you know, foster friendships, learn from one another, like, bounce ideas off of each other. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we all are like, wait, I don't really know what I'm doing. Let me see how this sounds. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Come on. You know, like, I don't really know. I'm just doing it day by day, yeah. you know, and that environment absolutely does this. So now you have the strategy factory kind of tell us about what that is. So that was kind of like my segue into starting to charge people. So I was like, all right, well, here we go. <laughs> and so I was like, well, uh-huh. I do want to help y'all one-on-one and give you some time because Yaronda, you know, I would just schedule free consultations like, mm-hmm. and, um, so now I have consultations that are one-on-one with people and um, the strategy factory is you, we come up with an overall arching goal and then we break that goal down into incremental strategies that are going to help you ascertain that goal. So if your strategy is that you want to assist 100 people this year, I'm going to come up with maybe four or five different strategies. So we come up with five strategies. Each one of those strategies needs you to bring in 20 new clients. Mm. Then from there, you're going to break down each strategy and implement it in some way. So if one of your strategies is to do a seminar, okay. well, if you're going to do seminars, let's say maybe we do them quarterly and you got to bring in 20 new clients from each one of these seminars. I always like to use the law of averages, meaning The more people you have, the more people you can roll over, right? So Mm -hmm. each seminar should, if you're doing them four times out of the year, and you need 20 people, then that's really easy. You need five people to roll over. So that means on average, you need 50 people in each seminar. Mm -hmm. So you're telling them, look, this is how much you want to make. This is how I'm going to help you get there. Yeah. So we break everything down and make it so easy. I do one So let's take that one strategy. So one out of those five strategies is that you have a seminar. So first of all, we're going to figure out what are our four seminar topics. From there, we Mm -hmm. need to find a venue that we can use four times in a year. Go ahead and come up with those dates and then give them to that venue so you can book it. Mm -hmm. 
I work with the free. Okay. So we're going <laughs> to figure out the cheapest way we can get this done so you can keep more money in your pocket. Boom. That part right there. When you start making more money, we can spend more money. But right now, we are making none. So we're going to spend none as much as we can. But then mm-hmm. we can. So that's that. Then we'll probably break that down even further. And so I'll give you a whole, what I call a go live timeline. So we need to talk mm-hmm. through your very, very first seminar. So what's that? what is that date? That's going to be your go live date for your first seminar. And we're going to mm-hmm. take from today's date and back you all the way to your go live date to figure out what are all the things that you need to get done to get you there. Mm. Are you going to have special guests at this seminar? Are you going to feed these people? Is there going to be music? What's going to be the ambiance of this seminar? Break that down. Give you dates to make sure everything is done. Because we know that when we're completing tasks, sometimes it requires a prerequisite. And we don't want to have that prerequisite that we need to get done a week before your event. Now you're running around like a crazy person. And you can't even enjoy the process that it took you to even get there. So my job in the strategy factory is to literally take everything that you need to get done Put it on a calendar, break it down. Uh, people ask a question, how do you eat an elephant? And that's one piece at a time. So I'm taking your yep. big elephant and I'm just serving you cute little quaint meals. <laughs> just and a little bit at a time yeah. and you'll get there. Just a little bit at a time every day because it makes it more manageable. Um, a lot of people say that they don't want to jump into entrepreneurship because it's too much. No, you made it too much because we're humans and that's what we do. We think. Okay, that's mm-hmm. one of the differences between us and some other homo sa- like the homo sapiens and all these other things, right? Insects. Mm-hmm. So we have cognitive reasoning skills, and so we, we cognitively overthink. overthink things, right? <laughs> and we make them hard because we tell them that we're hard. And so one of the affirmations that I tell all of my clients is, this is not hard. This is easier than easy. Because mm-hmm. the more you tell yourself that, the less um, anxiety you create for yourself to actually tackle them and then get them done. Exactly. Exactly. I think that we overthink things because out of sometimes out of fear. Yep. Because we're like, okay, what if this actually works? Like, yeah. what if I'm actually yes. <laughs> People, we're so afraid of getting paid. We <laughs> like, are afraid of say. getting paid. <laughs> If somebody yeah. is not handing us a check that we went, let, I want you to I'm, hear what I say. We would mm-hmm. rather get paid doing something we hate doing than something yeah. we love doing. Because it is too hard or it takes too long. Yeah. Guess what? You didn't learn how to walk overnight. It took nope. time. Come you on, somebody. Talk overnight. You know, it took time. You had to learn how to do it. You had to put in the work. And then at that, even when you put in the work and you achieved the goal, you didn't just stop there. You kept working to improve upon it. So, yeah, yeah, we have to keep moving and have to keep working and not be so afraid of what may come. Like children, when we're kids, we're like fearless. Yes. Like we will do anything and it doesn't matter what the outcome. And then yes. I fail or something horrendous might happen, but I'm going to do it again. Yep. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the goal. And it's yeah. like we allow, and I tell, I say this all the time, stop operating out of your wounds. Stop mm-hmm. operating from a place of hurt because we have experienced so many things in life. Again, we're taught how to be the best employee. 
we're mm-hmm. taught that stepping out and making your own money is the hardest thing that there is to do in the world. I mean, at one point it was, but now we can communicate with people that are clearly not in our time zone, i.e. Mm-hmm. you, and we can get things done as if we were sitting right next to each other. Exactly. There's a way to do anything. Yes. Nowadays. There's a way. Yeah. There's so a we have to stop operating out of our wounds and just do it. Just do it. What's going to happen? Right. It don't work? Okay. All what right. What you were doing before? <laughs> like, Is it going to kill you? No. Nope. <laughs> it's nope. not going to kill you. So, yeah. So, before we wrap up, I want to mention the braid party. Um, this is a new endeavor for you. When I tell you, when I saw what you, before that pre-launch, when I saw it, I was like, this is freaking amazing. Like, where do you keep coming up with these things? <laughs> I, like, honestly, that's why I know that this is my God-given talent. This is what I'm supposed to do. Because when I would sit down, literally, broker after broker, like, I would probably go see about six to seven people a day. And it's mentally draining and then sitting in L.A. traffic is just ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. But for me to be able to come up with a separate plan every single day for multiple people all day, every day, I knew that this was a God-given talent. Right. And I just come up with things that I don't even have the time to put into businesses. Mm-hmm. I'm getting ready to just start selling business ideas because I literally come up with ideas most of the time when I'm in the shower, because my whole bathroom, I call it my think tank. Like, that whole mm-hmm. place is so energizing, okay? Um, <laughs> Whatever so, works. It's listen. where I'm recording this podcast. Amen. Amen. <laughs> right? Okay. I Okay, people. It's not in the toilet. But still, it's some place that you wouldn't think I would be at recording this podcast. Right. But we get it done, okay? Right. And there so, we go. Um, I um one day was talking to a friend and we were talking about what LA was lacking and then my business hat came on and I was like, oh girl, this is what we should do. Mm-hmm. And I literally was like, we should have a break party. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> like, you gonna burn my hair. <laughs> right. Like, what is that? I was like, well, you know, like when you're a little girl. You go up each other's house. And the first thing y'all start doing is planning each other's hair like y'all about to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I said, what if we hire um, braiders or bring braiders to consumers and have mm-hmm. a braid party? Like, it's our job to bring these two groups of people together and push them um, to solicit one another's services and um, that's how they're building notoriety. They're gaining clientele mm-hmm. because in LA there are no braid shops. Like at home, really? Charlotte, you, you would go think. down North Carolina and Sugar Creek. It's a braid shop every corner. Okay, so okay. I was like, this is different. Even in DC, it's the same way. So mm-hmm. on the East Coast, you got all these braiders, and you have none out here. And I was so I was like, less let's get it started and we did and we literally built a business in 60 days it wasn't even 60 days it was literally like three weeks and i'm talking about from registering the company to me creating graphics building a website building notoriety in the community like it literally took less than 60 days and wow. so that's gonna be my master class yes i'm sorry for the shout out but this is my master class <laughs> oh, no, will be coming out for. very very soon how to build a business in 60 days because it can be done i've done it I've done it. I can tell you how to get, how to register your business, 
what to register under, like what type of business structure down to where to get your EIN. And literally, if you had the time, we can sit together in eight hours and I will have you a business in eight hours. So um, that that's how it all got started. And it's been like the buzz of LA. So you guys hear that. If you are not following Ivy, you should be now so you can get in on this masterclass. So where can people find you at? Well, you can find me at <laughs> Ivy J Wells on Instagram. You can find me at Ivy Wells on Instagram. And my Ivy is spelled the simple way. Ivy. <laughs> no E's, no O R Y's. It's just Ivy. Ivy. Ivy J Wells um, on Instagram. Ivy Wells on Facebook. Um, I am toiling with even building a website because, again, guys, the way of the world, you mm-hmm. have so many um, platforms nowadays with um, between MailChimp, MailerLite, where you can just yeah. create landing pages. And having a website is very, it's not even expensive like it used to be, but. <laughs> I don't have to have a website and I can just well, continue it. to use landing pages to get this to reap the same benefit. Mm-hmm. So quick testimony. So since I've left my job, I've gotten oh. one new client a week. And y'all, wow. not from a website, this is literally off of a landing page. And me constantly going live, like just putting myself out there, I keep getting new clients. And if I don't need a website. I don't know to get one just yet. <laughs> I'm going to still I'm going I'm still trying to weigh out the pros and cons. Like what would be a scenario where I would actually need a website? You know, it's so funny that you say that because you know, I am like the website person. But yes. <laughs> yes. I know. I, I told my friend the other day, I was like, I don't want to do custom anymore. I don't. Um, it's not as fun as it used to be. It's very time consuming. I'm just going to have a couple of templates that I will sell and let that be that. But literally this evening, I just did a landing page for shift the shift the plan podcast. I did not build a website. I just did a landing page because that's the quickest way to find people like everything right there in that landing page. And you can go to where you need to go. You know, you, you don't need to click on all these tabs. It's nope. all right here. People get lost. Well, let me yeah, and they stop myself. looking. They're like, never mind. I get lost when I get on the <laughs> internet to do anything. I get on Pinterest to look up something, and I start scrolling. And I'm like, oh wait, I'm supposed to be looking at something. I do right, it on you get Instagram, Facebook, especially people's websites. I got on your website to probably go buy your T-shirt, but something attracted me on your homepage, and now I'm reading about how you lost your cat last week. So. <laughs> You it's may like, possibly lose a sale. Like I'm like that mo- that dog from that movie Up that'd be like squirrel. Like that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so with landing oh pages, God. like you said, you can direct people straight to the information that they came for in the beginning, and it keeps you know people like focused. You know what's so um, interesting is that I literally, when I started reaching out to people for uh, the podcast, I realized most people don't make it easy to find them or to contact them. I was like, why? It's the first thing. And I have to thank uh, Maddie James for this because I listened to her podcast the other day. No, it wasn't even a podcast. It was a live on uh, Instagram. 
And she said, make it easy for people to find you. Like your email address should be right there, present mm-hmm. and accounted for. Like, and I went to so many people's uh, pages and there was no email address. Like, how am I supposed to wow. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, it's it's funny that most people do not um even have something as far as an email address. So yeah, you have to make it easy for people to contact you because guess what will happen? These brands and these companies out here, they'll go try to contact you yeah. and they can't find it. They're not gonna search. They're yeah. just gonna move on to the next person. And that's real because I was actually looking for a marketing strategist. Like I have to be honest, I'm this I am the psych the therapist that mm-hmm. needs a therapist right so I'm the, <laughs> I'm the business developer that I want somebody else to come up with my marketing strategy for me mm-hmm. because I have blown my brain doing it for everybody else all day long that like for little old me I can't even do it for myself yeah. I was looking for a marketing strategy somebody I wanted to invest in to do like spend some one-on-one time with do you know no I fell in love with this girl's Instagram page and I tried to figure out how to get in, like, to pay her. <laughs> like, I just want to pay you. I just want to give you my money. And I can't <laughs> even figure that out. <laughs> that should have been the first thing you knew how to do was to pay her. I instantly <laughs> went to her bio to click a link that I'm hoping would travel me to somebody's page. But you know what? All her links were in her caption. And you cannot click a link from your caption. You can't. You so cannot. I gave up. And I was like, forget it. I'll just sit here wondering in the stars, praying to God, <laughs> trying to figure out my own strategy. And I right, because I'm not going to do all that yeah. extra stuff. So what I do, I went to the Millionaire Factory. I contacted somebody that was in there. And I said, you want to help me with something? Bam. That's it. Like, yeah. it's easier when you know how to find yeah. the person. And then I asked them for their phone number and cash app them because I was like, this is the money I was actually going to pay to somebody else. And I, but I couldn't figure out how to pay them. <laughs> that is crazy. So whoever that was, you just missed the sale. So, hey. Okay, so before we leave um, this evening, we're going to create a time capsule, okay? Oh, <laughs> In this time capsule, it's going to be five things. Oof. So it's going to be real quick. Um, what advice would you give your younger self? Live for yourself. Live for yourself. That's awesome. Um, what keeps you sane throughout this entrepreneurial journey? Um, just not on my entrepreneurial journey, but in my life, my real life, my everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, I always seek peace and solidarity, Mm. no matter like when things go awry, things can go crazy. And I'm just like, I try to find the positive out of the bad thing that just happened. Mm -hmm. That's that's the way to go. Look for the positive all the time. Um, What nuggets would you give, would you leave behind for the next entrepreneur? Well, just one nugget. Um... Mm, consistency. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one because most people are not consist- consistent. Yeah. I am a witness. I've been there. <laughs> Me too. What, <laughs> what tools help you the, the most in your business? Uh, What kind of tools? Like digital tools or like just anything? Um, 
that just makes it a little bit easier. So whether that is something that helps you be be organized or something that allows you to take things out of your plate, automation, whatever it is that makes oh. it easy. Honestly, and um, I'm pretty sure if any of my friends that are listening to this podcast, they are going to <laughs> laugh when I say this, but honestly, what makes my life easier is Apple products <laughs> because I can't always take my bulky computer with me wherever I am, but I always have my phone and using the notes section, it just, it lets me outline everything. I can mm-hmm. then hop on my computer and I never have to like copy, paste, refocus anything. I can just continue my thoughts and ideas on that same note. Um, but having Apple products, that means that anything you need is always ever present. You don't, yeah. I mean, because I, I come up with things any and everywhere. And one of those mm-hmm. products is at reach. So if I'm on the plane, I can use my iPad, or if it's not time that you bring out your computer, I can start working on my iPad, and then mm-hmm. by the time, you know, we get leveled off in the sky, I can pop up in my laptop and then continue that same thought, because I can type faster than I can on my computer. So, right. just Apple products in general. Oh, and then also, sorry, I know we wrapped up, <laughs> but also because a lot of the features that actually come on the MacBook it's uh-huh. free that you have to pay for on the PC. So I can edit photos for free. I can edit yeah. videos for free. Like, I mean, it's probably some other enhancements I add to it, but pretty much all of that stuff comes free. And I didn't have to, all I had to do was just make a one time investment. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that tidbit because I'm a new Apple user. Yay! So. <laughs> yeah, I cannot go back to Android for nothing. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. You hear that, people? For those of you that are still stuck out there with the robot, come on over to the get you a slice of this apple. Exactly. Okay. And the last thing, what are you most thankful for? Hmm. I'm thankful. I'm most thankful for learning what true stewardship was. Mm. or is because um there was a time in my life where I was asking God for so much when I didn't even realize that everything I needed was right under my nose and I already had it and so lately once I realized that I've just been trying to continue to be a good steward over the knowledge he's already given me the people in my environment that he has given me which is how I started the millionaire factory I mean, why I started the Millionaire Factory and just continuing to be a good steward over my finances, be a good steward over relationships with my business partners. And then these things, because as long as you have stewardship over what you already have, when he starts Mm -hmm. adding on, you already know how to be grateful for those things and you won't squander them. So, yeah. That is amazing. I think that that was an amazing way to wrap up this first guest yes (laughs) Yes. throws the confetti (laughs) (laughs) but I so appreciate you Ivy for joining me on this podcast look and I I don't know what I was thinking I kept saying oh yes it's gonna be 30 minutes no (laughs) there's too much information that needs to be said that cannot go into 30 minutes so yeah we gonna hit this quick one hour uh right Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for seeing something in me and allowing me to come and share my story. 
Absolutely, you guys. So this will be available um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and absolutely on Anchor. Um, so yeah, and this will be up shortly, you guys. So yeah, I appreciate you. Um, and all of her contact information will be in the show notes so you can stay connected with her, um, find out more about all of her businesses and how to, you know, get this work. <laughs> oh, and one other thing I want to do for your listeners. Okay. So I have a Black Friday event that's this week. Um, so for all of you that let me know that you found me or heard me on Rhonda. Um, on this podcast shift the plan Um, I will continue that event for you throughout the rest of this year as well as next year so if you hear this podcast and you want 25% off my one-on-one coaching services just let me know where you heard me and I'll definitely give you that discount that is amazing that that's that stewardship like okay I know I sound gonna wrap up but this (laughs) is the last thing so I always look at you as a sponsor. Like, no matter, I don't have to be in the room or the people that you're connected to or the people that have added any sense of value um, to anything that you've done. You have absolutely no problem speaking for them and putting their name in the hat when they're not even there. And so I just really want to thank you for that, for being that person, for having that big heart. Um, Because not many people in in this, entrepreneurial journey have that oh thank you i felt it yay so (laughs) have a good evening everyone and we will see you next week good night good night bye